What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We will not bow down to racism. We will not bow down to
Hello, and welcome to the debut of Inside the Black Box, the official radio broadcast of First World Theater Ensemble. I'm your host, Zahara McGill, and we are so happy to be here with you tonight, making our debut here on Inside the Black Box. Now, we are so excited, and we have some great information to share with you. Information such as um, acting techniques, auditioning techniques, technical techniques, pertaining to things like light design, sound design, set design, costume design. We have information on festivals, secret success, and how to produce your own play. And we also have some wonderful, dynamic, upcoming guests. And all this great information for free right here on Inside the Black Box. Now, if you want to join us, please just call in at 646-716-7994. Or if you have any comments or questions, you can tweet us at the number one ST World Theater. Theater, of course, is with an R-E. Or if you just want to listen in, you can do that too. Or if you'd like to speak to us, once you have called in, just press the number one. Also, please feel free to join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash First World Theater. Also, one more thing, folks, please don't forget to go to our website and join our email list. That is www. First World Theater with an R E dot biz B I Z. Now, I am so excited tonight because we have two very special guests who are very dear to us here at First World Theater Ensemble. But before we get to our guests, I must say and give a great kudos and a shout out to someone very special to us. We would love to say hello and thank you to Miss. Teresa Shockley and her board at the CEC, that's Community Education Center, in the University City, Powhatan Village area, which is located at 3500 Lancaster Avenue in Philadelphia, PA. Now, we here at First World Theater would like to announce our residency at CACEC. We are so excited and have been truly blessed to receive this residency. Now, by the way, this is the first time, oh, how ironic the word first. <laughs> we find that very funny here, that a theater company has been invited to house at CEC with a full, complete season. Now, just a little information about CEC. They have been there in their community for over 40 years. And it is a multi-purpose center with the goal to bring neighbors together across barriers of all race and culture. Today, that center is, has established itself as an artist incubator, a performance place that brings people together through classes and performances opportunities. We again would like to say kudos to Ms. Teresa Shockley and what they are doing for the artists over there at CEC. Now, if you want to get more involved with CEC, which I think that you should, and we here at First World all agree, that just go to their website. Visit them at cecarts.org. That's cecarts.org. Now, back to our exciting, exciting guests. We have, I believe, on the line our first guest. Uh, his name is Mr. G. Lord Morris. Uh, A.K.A. known as Gregory Lord Morris. Uh, I think he's out there on the line. Gregory, are you on on the line with us? I am here. Yes. I am here. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Oh, you're quite welcome. That's exactly what Inside the Black Box is all about, making sure that people are informed and knowing exactly what's going on out there within the African-American theater community. That's why we're here. Absolutely. So, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, sweetheart. Now, look, let's get started. I do have a question for you, Lord, which is I okay. guess, a crazy question. I would like to know, and our audience would like to know, how did you go from having a degree in behavioral science to end up getting an MFA in writing? 
Now, that's a combination. It is a combination, and it was uh, it's actually born kind of out of necessity. The short version of it is I went back to college at 33 years old. Um, I was married at the time, and um, we were expecting our first child. And I knew in my first semester of school that I wanted to write, but they didn't offer that at my school. So I needed mm-hmm. to make a choice, um, a, a dual choice, actually, and that was, one, I needed to uh, major in something that would help me understand human behavior more, um, which I knew would aid my writing. The other thing was I knew that it would allow me to get a decent job, support myself and my family while I was uh, pursuing writing. Okay, okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. They always say when you're an artist, you better have another, you better keep your day job, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it is a reality for for some of us, absolutely. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, uh, uh, to my understanding, uh, Mr. Morris, uh, you, besides earning your MFA in writing at Temple University, uh, you had a play that premiered, uh, an original stage play that premiered at Temple University, which was called The Belly, uh, yes. and that ran for 14 shows to sell out crowds. Can you give us some more information about The Belly? What was that about? Well, The Belly was actually a very, um, it, was, it was the play, it was born out of my projects and playwriting class, mm-hmm. and um, I started on it in class, and it just worked, first began as readings, and so um, what happened was they have a play fest at our school every year called the Play Fest. And basically what happened was they had five directors and there had four directors, student directors, and they would pick the projects that they wanted to work on to present at Play Fest. Well, mine was the only one that did not get picked. And mm. so um, when that came to uh, Dr. Richardson, uh, Lee Richardson's attention, he said, and he didn't even really know me, but he basically said, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want you to miss the opportunity, so I'll direct it for you. And when we did it in uh, Playfest, uh, we, we wowed all the professors and everything, and what it ended up doing was they, I was the only student that they gave a world premiere to in, in the wow. three years that I was there. Yeah. That is fabulous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mind you, you are an African-American. Yes, and that is, like, yeah. so totally fabulous that that was given to you. Um, Absolutely. I was very uh, humbled I, by it. Yeah. Well, I had an opportunity to do one of your readings of The Belly, and I have to tell our audience that it is a fantastic piece. <laughs> I loved it. Um, it was raw. It was in your face, but it spoke yeah. to you. And it was yeah. just a wonderfully well-written piece. Like, it really was. Wow. I appreciate that. Um, I, I want to just give as much credit as I possibly can to my professors, uh, uh, Robert Headley, Lee Richardson, and my dramaturg, who is a, a Tony Award winner himself, Ed Sobel. Um, in addition to that, I had the, the benefit of having a really tremendous cast, which included Yvette Gagne, who's also from Philly, as well as Brian Anthony Wilson. And, um, you know, I just... It just, I'm just really grateful. I was just really blessed to have that opportunity, um, you know, coming from where I come from and, and having that least amount of experience of all my comrades. It was just a real a real blessing. Yes, yes. I, I, I truly understand about receiving your blessings, yes. And you did have a wonderful cast. Anytime you have someone like Yvette Gagne and Brian Anthony Wilson involved in the yeah. project, uh, yeah, yeah, you have basically top-notch uh, yes. The cream of the cream working uh, with you yeah. uh, on a wonderful project such as that was, uh, which is great. Now, I, I do want to ask you, can you tell our audience, um, uh, Gregory, exactly where are you from? I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. And how born, did you end up born, here in Philadelphia? Um, I wound up here. We moved here in 2001. I was married at the time, and uh, I was in the music business prior to uh even being in theater and film and everything, that, that wasn't even on the table. Well, my background was as a music producer, and uh, I actually interned for a little over a year at DreamWorks Music in L.A. in North Hollywood, and the idea was to move out this way because music was really popping out here. I had a lot of friends from L.A. that were gigging in Philly, and they were talking about this whole neo-soul movement, and I was hearing the music, and I was like, wow, that's dope. And, you know, I was, you know uh, at the time I was like, well, 
let's just try it. I mean, we were young. We didn't have any children at the time. And I was like, well, let's just try it and see if we like it. If we don't like it, we'll just come back to L.A. And we came and we settled in Delaware and never left. And um, it's it, uh, some of the greatest things in my life have happened since I moved out here. Wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you here. We're glad that you left L.A. They're lost in our game, and we're so happy yeah. to have you here. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I understand that you are the chief creative director of the Morris Project. Um, yes. You have, of course, written and produced theater, PSAs, short films, feature films. Um, mm-hmm. You are the author of several film projects. Um, yes. Can you give us two or three names of some of those projects? Um, well, I've done a couple. Of, I'll give you some of the more um, educated. My, my, my career is, uh, is that of an urban ethnographer. So my mm-hmm. career is dedicated to writing about the streets, particularly the community and the people in the community. Um, as a result of that and, and staying in that lane, I've gotten some tremendous opportunities. So I was able, for example, to do a film for the Department of Justice. They wanted to do an anti-gang, anti-gun piece, and they wanted it the same style of my street films, but you know, minus the language. And so they gave me the information. I wrote it based on what the parameters were, and and now it's at uh, it's on Capitol Hill. It's shown in all the schools in Delaware, um, and, and they're, they're just moving all around with that. So I've done that. I've done a documentary for Gun Court, which is a, a court that they have for juveniles that get in trouble with mm-hmm. uh, firearms in my state. I mm-hmm. um, also did the film Twenty Minutes, um, which. You know, ultimately it's about recidivism and reentry, but I wrote it based on how difficult it is for a person to change, and that one just kind of took a life of its own on, just just took off running. So I've done those. Um, but we've been into several film festivals, including the Marcus Vineyard Film Festival t- uh, two years in a row. Um, we won the uh, Fringe Festival last year in Wilmington, and I'll actually I'll be defending, my film will be defending its title uh, on the night that we have tech. Before uh, play next month, so um, I've, I've been really fortunate to, to you know, to be in such a, 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 a tremendous place. Uh, living in Delaware and then right outside of Philly, it's been really good. Really good. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Now, um, before we wrap up, I want to talk with you about your upcoming project. I understand sure. that you have a play that's coming up. Um, and I want to talk about that. And also, uh, to you actors out there, um, Mr. Morris is looking for an actor. So we're going to find out what is the name of that piece, uh, a quick synopsis of what it's about, and we're going to have Mr. Morris tell us exactly what he's looking for. And maybe you can get hired through right here inside the black box because that's what we're all about. So, Ms. Morris, please fill us in yes. exactly what is the name of the piece and what is it about. The name of the play is Math, M-A-T-H, as in short for arithmetic, and the play is called Math, an American Tale, written by myself. Um, This world premiere will actually be directed by myself as well. And the story is about a guy named Ellis, um, late 20s, fresh out of jail. He comes home from prison today and returns to the neighborhood that he used to gangbang and sell drugs in, and one of his new neighbors is this 17-year-old girl desperately trying to get to college, and she is desperately in need of his gift. Uh, this guy is a whiz at all kinds of math, but he's a failure at almost everything else. And he has the ability to speak to this girl in another language, almost like a street language, and teach her math, um, teach her in a way that her private school um, and the tutor at the private school is not able to do, not able to reach her. And so what you have in the play is the dynamic of you have this girl that's pulling on him for his knowledge, but then you have the streets pulling on him for a debt that he owes and, 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 and you know, old affiliations and old habits and things like that. So I really, the play is really about urban education and how education happens outside of the classroom a lot of times. It's also about squandered potential. It's about recidivism. It's about reentry, um, and it's about um, the how how families are created even when there's no relation between the people. Mm. 
That's very interesting. I, I like that subject matter that you're dealing with. And it's also very interesting because First World Theater Ensemble, we have our upcoming season opening, which starts on October the 18th. And we're doing a piece called Don't Sing No Blues For Me uh, by Mr. Glenn Allen, who is our second guest for this evening. Um, mm-hmm. And it deals with a young man uh, who's dealing with um, uh, uh, the potential of going to jail, who has had some rough times, and he's like around the age of 18 to 20, and he's at the crossroads of his life trying to make a decision. So I really like that subject matter, what you're touching on. That's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Now, tell us what you're looking for for those actors out there, and then I want you to give the exact uh, contact information, how people can get in touch with you, and give us uh, the information about the dates of the the show. Okay. Well, the the role I'm looking for now is actually a lead role. Um, it's a paying role, um, not a huge budget, but definitely a paying role. I'm looking for a gentleman, actor, African-American, and I would even look at a Spanish actor, actually, uh, for this part in uh, early to mid-50s. And um, your the character is the father figure in the piece. Um, he's a street guy. He's an old school guy. But I'm looking for someone early to mid fifties um, that can give off uh, the feel of a person that's from a different generation. And you can contact me uh, directly through uh, via email, I should say, at uh, the Morris Project at gmail dot com. That's the Morris Project at gmail dot com. Wonderful. Now, do you have a Facebook page they can get in touch with you also? I do absolutely. I'm, I'm uh, Gregory Lloyd Morris on Facebook, or you can type in G Lloyd Morris. That's my pen name. Um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter as G Lloyd Morris. And I would really uh, welcome you to look at my YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube.com/slash G Lloyd the Writer. And what I've been doing is doing. I've been going into the community and doing my commercials in the streets. So I go into the projects, I go into the roughest, roughest parts of the city, and I'm relating the areas that I'm in to what the subject matter is in the play. So everything I'm doing is linking the play to the community. Mm. That is so fabulous. That's so fabulous. And I like the idea that you're about giving back to the community, um, making sure that you do your part in helping to keep your community intact. And that's exactly what we here inside the black box and First World Theater is all about, making sure that our stories are told uh, with dignity and integrity um, and that we keep them intact. And we say kudos to you, too, for doing that. I really appreciate that. Um, what you're doing, and I know other artists, upcoming artists, are going to be able to appreciate what you're doing. And whether you know it or not, you are are, are blazing the trail for other upcoming artists who want to do something like this, and we really appreciate that. Uh, of I appreciate you, you saying that. Oh, I yeah. I thank you. I no. appreciate that. And, and we need, I mean, the truth is we need as much, as many of these stories as we can possibly tell, um, just in support of nothing else for the diaspora. Of, uh, of our movement and our, our legacy. Um, we need to be able to write pieces and show pieces that show the complexity and the, the, the multi-dimensions of the people that live in the inner city. They're not just people on the street that don't want to do anything or are on drugs or, in, or participating in violence. These are people that have the same concerns as people that live in the suburbs. Uh, they just don't have anyone in their inner circle to foster an idea like that. And so I, I tell those stories. That is so true. Yeah. Now, can you let us know exactly uh, where this show will be uh, being put on at? Yes, we are going to be, Math and American Tale is going to be presented at the Wilmington Drama League, which is on Market and Lee Boulevard in Wilmington, Delaware. And show dates are Friday, uh, September the 28th at 8 p.m. and Saturday, uh, September the 29th at 2 p.m. and at 8 p.m. And one of the things we're doing for the 2 p.m. show is we're really pushing to invite as many high school students um, and with their parents and college students because young people need to see this piece as well. It speaks directly to what's going on in the community, and those are the dates that we're going to be showing it. Um, tickets are general admission, $20, um, um, and we're giving discounts to all students who come with their ID, whether it's high school or college, uh, we'll take five. I'm taking five dollars off the price. Okay, 
All right. Uh, so, everyone, please make sure you go out and you support uh, G. Lord Morris uh, in all of his endeavors and especially this upcoming production uh, in Wilmington, Delaware. We will make sure that that will be on our website so that you can get in touch with him. There will be a link. Um, also, you can also just uh, get in touch here with us here at First World Theater at info at firstworldtheater.biz uh, if you're interested in auditioning for him, and we will make sure that he receives that information. Uh, yeah. Gregory, thank you so much for being on air with us. Uh, if you don't mind, I would love for you to just hang around for a while because I really would love for you to talk to our very special upcoming guest uh, all the way from D.C., uh, who happens to be the executive director of the D.C. Black Theater Festival. Absolutely. Uh, so um, if you can hang out, hang out with us, and we thank you so much for having you. I appreciate you, and I am yours. Um, I will <laughs> sit here and wait for you to tell me what to do. <laughs> okay, darling. Thank you. Right now, folks, we are going to take a little break here, and then we are coming back with our other very special guest, Mr. Glenn Allen from D.C. of the D.C. Black Theater Festival. Right now, we're going to play Book of Revelation, to soothe your seven, mind and feed your and soul. Yes, sir. We'll be right they back. shall hunger no Thank more, you. neither shall they thirst anymore. Preach, preach up, for God shall wipe away yes, sir. every tear from their eyes. Yes, Daddy's Got Knees, 
Black on Trial, Little Black Lies, and his award-winning piece, How Do You Love a Black Woman, just to name a few. Of course, he has much more there uh, that's out there that you, the audience, the actor, the producer, the director, can read and produce. He also has a collection of poetries uh, in which he has completed, seven collections, um, as a matter of fact. He also has three unpublished novels. They are Blues on Hell Street, Two Tickets Home, and The Diary of a Black Boy. He is currently completing his newest work of fiction, The Diary of a Man in Love. He is also uh, the executive director of the D.C. Black Theater Festival. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Mr. Glenn Allen. Glenn, are you there? Lee, how are you doing, sister? How are you doing? How are you? I'm good. I, I thank you for doing this. It is so good to hear someone of knowledge talk about theater. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I, I'm learning from people like you and Gregory Morris, and I think it's important that we all keep it going and that we share our knowledge with one another without charging one another for it. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Isn't it, Brother Dynamite? I, I listen and I said, you know what, i got to know this brother. Because <laughs> I'm driving two hours to beat this brother right here. <laughs> well, I'm going to make sure you and him definitely hook up without a doubt. You will definitely have each other's information. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, thank you, well, so thank you. Thank you for introducing me. Oh, you're quite welcome. Just remember, when you two make it big, don't forget us small people, you know. Oh, oh you know what, you riding, you riding with us. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. Well, you know what? We're not going to waste any more time. We're going to jump right into this here. Um, the first question I have for you, uh, Glenn, and I'm sure other people would like to know, you are the executive D, uh, director of the D.C. Black Theater Festival. Now, yeah. um, I want to know, and I'm sure everyone else wants to know, is what inspired you to start a festival in D.C.? Well, you know, I, I've been writing since 86, and I've been on tour with uh with my work since eighty seven <clears throat> and or since eighty five and then on tour in eighty seven and so I've gotten a chance to do I, I, almost every major festival across the country from here to europe and what i what I started to do is I started to collect all the things I liked about the festivals and then all the things I didn't like um and put that together and and to see what we could do to help with the canon of black work. And one of the things I saw, especially in D.C., which is the second largest market theater, uh, New York first, D.C. second, Philly, and Chicago. And what I saw in D.C. was that no one was calling for black work, for the work of African-American writers. And then I started to see it across the country. Once I, once I discovered that in D.C., I started to see it in Philly. I started to see it in New York. I started to see it all throughout the country. And so I, I, I took all the things I liked, put them together in one shell, and then mm -hmm. sent out an uh, invitation to other playwrights that we were going to do in 2010, the launch of the first D.C. Black Theater Festival, the first black festival in D.C. The interesting thing was when I called everyone to the table um, over my house, and I, and, I, and I collected both actors and directors and producers that I knew in the industry, and mm -hmm. so they all came to the table, and everyone asked the same question. Have, have we already done that? <laughs> and the answer was no. That D.C. being the second market had never done a festival of black work. Wow. Had never done it. And so we launched it. And here's the interesting thing. Initially, we were only going to do one play a night for seven days. That was mm -hmm. the whole aim. One play. So seven plays. That's it. Seven plays, one night a week. We sent the invitation out. In two weeks, got 150 submissions. By the end of the wow. month, we cut the submissions off because we had reached over 300 submissions. Wow! And which goes to show you, which goes to show you the desperate need for our stories to be told. And a lot of times, we have no place to take them to tell them. So this is Absolutely. why. Um, I'm so happy that, that, that you've done this in D.C. Um, I know that I have attended and I have performed in it, and I have to tell the listeners it is something fabulous. If you have not done the D.C. Black Theater Festival, 
You are missing, honey, something. It's like missing your mama collard greens and macaroni and cheese, honey. It is. It is so much fun, and it's fun to yes. do. I mean, we hosted the first year, we hosted 127 plays. Now the next year we were we did a, we did 150, and then this year we did 150 again. And then we cover wow. the gamut. So we're not only doing theater, we're doing reading and workshops, and um, we take the nuts and bolts of theater all out. And so you know we did celebrity workshops this year. Uh, Elmo from Good Times, Bernadette Stannis did a workshop. Yes, uh, Darren yes. did a workshop. Um, uh, and then, you know, so you have celebrity workshops, you have the everyday people workshops for acting, for lighting, for sound. Um, then you do all the plays, and then the one-act plays, and the full-in plays, and the um, the experimental pieces, the dance pieces. We we did everything you could possibly do in theater, we did. Yes, you did, because I was a witness to it. I can attest to that. <laughs> Now, I want to ask you two more questions pertaining to the festival, and then we're going to move on um, to this wonderful piece that you have coming to Philadelphia. Um, uh, My next question is just, just, you know, just give our audience a quick answer to this, is uh, even though it's called the D.C. Black Theater Festival, is it open to all cultural backgrounds, or how does that go? It really is, and and this is an interesting question, because, you know, the first play that was submitted to the festival was from a white woman in Georgia the mm. D.C. Black Theater Festival, and the first play was submitted by a white woman in Georgia. And when wow. I got her play, we sat down and we read it, and I just thought well, maybe she misread the invitation. And so I <laughs> called her. I, I did. I said, maybe she misread it. And so I called her and said, are you aware that this is the D.C. Black Theater Festival? And she said, yes, the characters are black, and I am absolutely in love with them. And so that helped us to shape it even more. We knew that we were going after work from African Americans, but we didn't know how to actually shave it. You know, you mm. look at it as, as, this, as this monster, and you say, okay, how do we put this together? Right. Well, she kind of helped us put it together. Because what she had us look at, and, and unbeknownst to her, is she had us look at, well, what if Tennessee Williams wrote a play that black folks could act in? Wow. And should we do that play as well? Okay. And the answer is yes. And so our interest is we open it up to all nationalities. Black is is the incorporation of all colors. It is the inclusion of all colors, not the exclusion. So when we say black, we are saying this is for everyone, but our concentration is on the black story. We're looking for stories that African Americans, that are poignant to African Americans, so that our voices can be heard. Mm-hmm. So it's for everybody. That it's for everybody. Wonderful. But right. our concentration yeah. is for people. Yes. Fabulous. I, I like that. You know, you're leaving me speechless here. But anyway, I'm making my debut, and you're leaving me speechless, and I'm the host. <laughs> Mind me not to have you back anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, just one last question, Glenn, around this, this festival issue, and then we're going to move on um, because, you know, we all, you know, our debut, and we don't have, to have, we don't have that much time. Um, yes. Exactly. Can you just tell us uh, one or maybe two because um, we know that everything is not peachy cream when you're trying to do something of this magnitude of a festival with thousands and thousands of people and all these submissions that are coming at you. Um, can you tell us this? What is one um, downfall of trying to run a festival of this magnitude? The size. Mm. The size. It, okay. it, it is it's trying to include everyone. When, 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 when you're a visionary and you're coming from not business side of it but the artistic side of it, the, the aim, especially my aim, is to make sure that I get everybody who wants to or who have written a play and they want to perform it is for me to make room. And so if I go out and I get ten theaters, and we don't do this. The festival is not in a church basement. Let's just say that. The D.C. Black Theater Festival is not in a church basement. We go after the A-listed theaters in the city. And that's where we put, where we produce the, the work. So where where most theater, where most black writers could never get on that stage, we go after that stage. And then when wow. we do that, we try to get as many people um, on board who want to come. And so uh, this year we did 150 plays from all over, from York. Uh, we had a brother coming from Liverpool, from Dominica, from South Africa, 
uh, uh, L.A., you know, to Chicago, to um, te- uh, Texas, and Philly always shows up. Wow. Philly is always tearing down the doors. And so it's the size <laughs> every year. It's the size of something, the magnitude. This um, needs, we need, you need, you need really big sponsorship to do something right. as large as what we're going after. It's an ambitious project. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just before we move on, I just want to say to to the sponsors out there, this is something that is worthy of sponsorship. Uh, please make sure you get in touch with Mr. Glenn Allen uh, at DC Black Theater Festival. He will be able to give you the information before the show closes. But it's something worthy. I've experienced it, um, and I love it. And if there's anything that we can do, we are there for you at any time, any place, anywhere you need us. We are there. Absolutely. Now, I want to move on uh, quickly here because we only have like about maybe like five minutes left. So I'm just going to say this, put this out there. Mr. Allen, uh, you are, I know that you had attended Howard University, and I know that you uh, had an interest in writing since like about 1986. Now, Mm -hmm. you have a piece called Don't Sing No Blues for Me. This, I have to say to the audience, is a well-written piece. Um, it has a beautiful style, natural dialogue. When I read it, I fell in so much in love with it, um, and I was just in awe. And I knew that we had to produce this piece here in Philadelphia. Um, I have w- two questions for you with this piece, and the first question is, what? why did you want to write something like this? What inspired you to write a piece so beautiful and so eloquently? Family. Let me say this, and I say this to all writers. I, I teach writer, writing at, some of the, at, at the schools in D.C., and one of the things I teach is that the stories that are closest to you are really already in your family. My grandmother and I were headed to uh, Virginia for a wedding. so She lives in Wilmington, so I drove from D.C., picked her up in Wilmington, and took her to Virginia's four-hour drive. And we talked, and here's a 75-year-old woman. We talked from the moment we left Wilmington four hours to Virginia got back in the car after the wedding and drove four hours back. By the time I got to Delaware, I had the story in my head by the time we got back. Because of the story she told, the story she told and the secrets that she has, you know, and then as she kept the secrets, you know, and then you asked her a story, and you knew it was a secret that she wasn't going to tell anyone, and she would simply right. say, I'm going to take that to my grave, baby. And she told right. these stories, this, these very poetic stories, you know, and I sat down for the first time in my life I sat down at the feet of my grandmother, and I listened to what she had to say and the stories of her at 21 and 23. And so I crafted three, three plays. Don't mm. Sing No Blues for Me is the first one. This is a blue, they all, they're called the Blues-Based Trilogy or Blues Trilogy. And Don't Sing No Blues for Me is the first in that trilogy. It's the fun story. And then you have the Blues of Lula Mae Jenkins, which is the daughter story. Now, they're not related, but they're just the, the symbolic part of being okay. spiritually the son and the daughter. And then uh, Black Sugar's Blues, which is the mother's story. And okay. So inside of this, this spiritual family are these three stories that don't necessarily connect, but connect on a spiritual blues level. So you can see all three in series, out of series, and never have the same connection. They are all written within that same theme. Okay. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I want our callers uh, to please make sure you call in at 646-716-7994 so that you may ask Mr. Allen or Mr. Morris any questions you may ask them. You can be allowed to ask any comments or anything you may have. Um, we, are still, we will still be here streaming live here on, online, uh, and so we just want you to give us a call. So, But what I'm going to do right now, if Mr. Allen would just allow me, I'm going to say to my audience, uh, we thank you so much. Um, we are still here. Still keep calling in. We're still going on. We're still talking. Um, but I just want to say thank you very much for joining us here on our debut of Inside the Black Box. First World Theater Ensemble, we really appreciate you. Uh, we hope that you continue to listen to us. We have a wonderful play coming up with Mr. Glenn Allen's piece, Don't Sing No Blues for Me, from October the 18th through the 28th at CEC, 3500 Lancaster Avenue. Just go to our website and get more information. And I just want to give you all out there a world of words of empowerment. Here at First World, if you ever find yourself with your back against the wall and you're stuck up in that corner, 
swing that first punch and come out swinging, and you'll discover that you are a champion. Stay blessed. Okay, Glenn. Now, we're going to get back to what we were talking about, because I have got to make sure that the audience hear all this wonderful information. Now, I want to know, uh, Mr. Allen, can you please let us know exactly what is Don't Sing No Blues for Me about? See, I can tell them, but I don't want to tell them. I want you to tell them. (laughs) 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 Don't Sing No Blues for Me is a perfect storm. It is about a young man who has come into town for the death of a mother he does not know to the town that does not know he exists. And so inside this small town, here comes a young man who was in trouble. He comes in town with trouble to a town that doesn't know that he exists. And so what happens from this is that the story starts to unfold that who is this young man, and more importantly, who is this young man's father? Mm. So the play takes place in the, in the barbershop. And it's 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 the inner city. It, it is the hub of, of of black communities. And in this yeah. particular case, there are all these secrets that are buried inside this barbershop. This barbershop actually uh, was once a beauty a beauty salon, and, and it still has those remnants of a male barbershop, but within this feminine, very feminine uh, ca- uh, casing of a of a beauty salon. So it is that perfect storm: a young man coming to town for the death of a, a mother he does not know in a town that doesn't know he exists. Mm. And this is similar to what uh, uh, Gregory was talking about, Gregory Lord Morris, you know, with his program, uh, with him, um, you know, working, you know, doing the documentary for, you know, for the new reentry, you know, of, of yeah. you know, the Wilmington Hope Commission, of working with, you know, teaching young, you know, working with young, educated um, um, African male, females and males, or the ones who have been incarcerated and are re-entering into society. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is what it made so interesting, you know, between the two of you, how he was saying what he was doing, and then, boom, I have you coming up with Don't Sing No Blues For Me. Um, I was like, okay, uh, we're oh, on yeah. the right track here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And it's going to be a pleasure to sit down with brothers like like, like G and and build this, this canon of black work as we go. Yes, yes. I, I think it's so important. It's very important. Speaking of building this canon of black theater as we go, um, we are doing a collaboration with Mr. Uh, Glenn Allen um, and First World Theater Ensemble. We are proud to say that we are producing his piece, Don't Sing No Blues for Me. It's making this Philadelphia premiere here. Um, so my question to Mr. Allen is um, why do you think theaters – particularly black theaters, don't do more collaborations such as what we're doing. I mean, and this is a, this is, this is not a, a next-door collaboration. You're in D.C., and we're mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, and we're, we're collaborating on something that's fantastic, and it's actually working out. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, do black theaters, do they do collaborations? And if they don't, why don't they do them? I don't think that we do them enough, and and. and you're absolutely right. It's a loaded question. It really is a loaded question. Yeah. Um, we don't do enough of it, and I think because we're still too caught up in who's going to get the credit for this. Mm-hmm. And and so because we're still fighting for credibility and credit, we don't know that we can come together. And I think that we'll start to move together. One, because we don't have any reason. I mean, you know, we don't, we, we don't have any other choice but to unite. Um, mm-hmm. And because, number one, the cost of theaters. You know, I don't know if Philadelphia is expensive as D.C., but it, for a week of theater in D.C., it's almost, you know, fifteen to $20,000, you know. And, wow. and so Yeah, fifteen to 20000 And so when you look at that kind of space, you need to combine efforts to say, well, how do we do this? And the only way to do it is to find people who have who are like-minded and come together. Sometimes that means that you have to stretch across the city. That means that instead of going to my brothers and sisters that may be my neighbor, maybe I need to go to Philly for a sister who is in concert with me. Right. So that, and the reason why it works for you and I is because we have been singing the same song for years. We've just been singing it from two different areas. Correct. Then we met and we knew she sings my song. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I said. She sings my song. 
Right, right. And, and, and so when you do that, it's easy to say, hey, why don't you come to D.C. and do your show? We'll, we'll, put, we'll put it up. <laughs> and then you say to me, hey, why don't you come to Philly and do your show? We'll put it up. And then we start to see this connection. And then people will start to see it. And then what will happen is that what you and I are doing today will start to burn fire in people tomorrow. And so right. we'll start to see it. We'll start to see Atlanta connecting with Delaware and Delaware connecting with, uh, with, with, with New Jersey and Jersey connecting with Maryland and Maryland connecting with Virginia. And we'll start to see this wildfire take and we'll start to see a new design for black work. We'll start to see this. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, just one last question, and then I'm going to open up uh, Mr. Morrison's line, and he might have a question he might want to ask, or you might have a question you might want to want to ask him. Um, but I, I have this one last question for you. Um, with this piece, Don't Sing No Blues For Me, or with any of your pieces, um, what is exactly is that you want the audience to walk away with, Glenn? You know, I, I, I just want to tell my grandmother, grandfather's story, which is probably your grandmother and your grandfather's story. There are these secrets that that we have been keeping from our grandkids and our kids for years. Mm-hmm. You know, that there are these secrets that are there, and we just need to tell them, at least the story, even if you don't tell the, the, the secret holder, you want to tell the story that that, that, that great-great-grandfather that you think is your grandfather ain't your grandfather at all. You know, and, and it's been secret all these years, and we all have this in our family. You know that uncle don't look like nobody in the family. You know he ain't, you know, he don't look like nobody in the family, and there's nobody saying anything. You at the family reunion, everybody sits around. He likes skin, all the rest of the rest of the family dark skin. Nobody's saying nothing about it, but you know he ain't, you know. So I just want to tell those stories, those secrets, and there's so many of them. You know, there's just so many of them, and, and, and we have these very colorful stories as black folks that we got to share. we got to tell. It is unfair of us to let a man put on a skirt and do plays and take the country by storm without us telling another story. Correct. Yes. Got to tell it. I agree. It has to be told. <laughs> so well you put it so that you I, I couldn't say it any better the only way you said it. I totally concur and I do agree with that. Um so what I'm going to do right now is I am going to uh uh open up the line and I'm going to uh have Mr. Morris. He might have some questions for you and for anyone else out there, uh if you would love to ask um uh, Mr. Allen or Mr. Morris any questions, want to make any comments, please call us at six four six seven one six seven nine nine four and just hit the number one and that will open you up so that you can speak. So I think I have uh Gregory online. Uh, Gregory are you online there? I am here. Wonderful. Uh Gregory Morris, uh that's Mr Glenn Allen. Mr Glenn Allen, I, meet Mr Gregory Morris. The pleasure is all mine. Very now, nice um, uh, Gregory, it seems like both of you, um, you know, are like, um, you know, inventing wonderful things, um, um, beating to your own drum, uh, doing great work. It's nice to see two African males, um, you know, one younger and one is um, more seasoned, shall I say. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably, am, I, am, I the, am I the more seasoned one? Uh, yeah, yeah. In this case, we're gonna say you're the more seasoned one. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I can keep friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. take that That's one. Right. That's right. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I mean, I'm just excited about, it, and I know the callers are, and I think that it's a wonderful thing that we have uh, African American men out there like yourselves, and I know we have females out there who who are um, just being uh, very diligent in telling our stories. Uh, uh, making sure they're being told uh, in a very refined and in a uh, beautiful way. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely want you two to meet each other, get involved with each other, and mm-hmm. I know that will happen between the two of you. I don't know if any one of you, either one of you have any comment or maybe you might have a question for each other um, before uh, we sign off. Or, Well, I, I have a comment. Um, first of all, I want to just again say it's very nice to meet you. Um, Mr. Allen, um, I I look forward to seeing some of your work. I, my, one of my dreams is to be able to see one of my plays go up in D.C. Um, oh, and Philly. 
Um, that that's one of my dreams. Um, I, I like what you were talking about when you you made reference to Tyler Perry, and um, in, in terms of taking the country by storm. And one one of the things that I'm really committed to, in addition to what I talk about, is um, I study a lot of marketing um, in terms of how to market myself and, and where to promote what I'm doing and things like that. And you know, I, my my goal is to be really aggressive because what I'm finding is that um, the audience that typically, and I learned this in school, really, the audience that typically attends plays of that style whether you want to call them um, gospel musicals or gospel inspirational or even, you know, you know, what people refer to as the children's circuit, my personal belief is that that audience is ready for something else. And if they've never been presented with anything else, they wouldn't necessarily know all of the different aspects even of their own culture. You know, so if my introduction to theater, for example, is in fact – David Talbert or Jacarius Johnson. These are guys that come and sell out 1,800 seat theaters in Philly. They go to the Merriam and sell out for two weeks at a time sometimes. Yeah. And <laughs> at the same time, I'm looking at the stories that you and I are trying to tell, and my dream is to be able to take what we're doing, what I'm doing, and present it to that audience. That's what yeah. I really want to do. I want to present yeah. it to that audience and you know what, what? 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 What we're seeing is what I figured out about what I'm doing is that it's, it's not popular. What I'm doing is not popular. Yeah. Because um, I'm talking about the underbelly. I'm talking about another America that we live in. Yeah. Um, you, you, well, um, well, well, you know what? Well, well, you know what happens is when you look at Tyler Perry and and David Talbert and Jacarius, who 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 by the way I respect in in all their works in different areas. Matter of fact, Jacarius and I were just on the panel together. Um, what you see is that what it takes to fill that space is not only what you talked about, which is the marketing side, but that the play has several layers that what happens with the work that you and I or August Wilson or uh, uh, Katari Hall, what, what we do not layer is that, that musical part, that slapstick mm-hmm. comedy part. And in order mm-hmm. to fill an 18-seat theater, not only with the, the, the bodies, in the seats, but the layers on the stage, our place may not be meant for that. And so often what we need to do, and this is what we do in the festival, is we, what we do is we, we talk to people about their work, and we talk to them about the different styles of theaters, proscenium, black boxes, uh, theater and around, and, and we talk about how their play is written and what the stage is written for. But theater was never meant for 1,800-seat theater, not in that capacity. Right. It was meant for right. intimate looking through the window of somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so so, what you don't want, to, and this is the, the hard part of it, is to take a play and put it onto an 1,800-seat theater and listen to the crickets sing right. because the, 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 the thought process that is in that piece is so deep it takes concentration for mm-hmm. you to get it, you know, right. and it's not the lighter side. And so... So I would I would say in, instead of the eighteen hundred seat I would say touch eighteen hundred people two hundred at a time because the theater you in in Wilmington is an incredible space absolutely incredible uh-huh. space two hundred uh-huh. at a time touch eighteen hundred people two hundred at a time and and, you, and right. you've gotten the same market and you've gotten the respect of the peers that are inside doing what you do the worst thing I would think is to sit down with Tyler, and I know he can't sleep at night with this particular element of being able to sit down and know that all the other playwrights around you, although you have more money than them, don't respect what you do. And I think that's hard. That has to be hard to not be the doctor that's respected in the field of medicine. Right. Wow. That has to be hard. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. that's great advice. I, I, I'm loving this dialogue between the two of you. I'm loving it. Um, but what I am going to do uh, before we close out, I see that we do have someone on hold. I'm going to open up that line, and she might have a comment or a question or whatever for either one of you gentlemen or for Inside the Black Box. Hello, I think yeah. we have LaCresse online. Hello? She was there. I see it's showing that she's there. Oh, well, 
Maybe she got caught up in in, in the moment and passed out. You were saying some wonderful things. <laughs> maybe, maybe my wife tells Not me because it was bad, because it was all good. Right. That's right. <laughs> but right now, gentlemen, I am going to thank you guys, you gentlemen, so much for joining us here inside the black box. We will continue this dialogue. I want you to to continue this dialogue. I would love to have you both back. Um, and since you all are wonderful playwrights in your own way and just doing fabulous things, just don't forget First World Theater Ensemble here. Uh, we are a group of uh, African-American folks who like to work, too, with wonderful people mm-hmm. like yourself. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Gregory and Glenn. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. We adore both of you. Um, keep it up. Keep the struggle. Keep pushing through. Um, pray until something happens. Don't let the Absolutely. naysayers say nay. You just keep mm. through. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And thank, thank you for that. Thank you for you're welcome. You're welcome. You gentlemen have a nice night. Now, I don't want to forget this one thing. I have to say thank you to my producer, Jacqueline Taylor-Adams, because without her, I would not have been able to do this. Uh, this is not an easy thing to do. You definitely need a producer, folks, if you're thinking about doing a radio show. Trust me, you can't do it by yourself. So she oh. is my angel. So kudos to Ms. Jacqueline Taylor-Adams uh, for <laughs> producing my show tonight. And I want to, again, thank you, Mr. Glenn Allen. Uh, I can't wait for the public to see your upcoming production, Don't Sing No Blues for Me, at the CEC. Um, And I can't wait for people to see Mr. Morris, Gregory, your piece, at the uh, Mm -hmm. Wilmington Drama League. And I'm going to do, and we're going to make sure that all this information gets sent out for both of you. And oh, just to let the so audience know, I don't know if Gregory knows it. I want to put it out there. Mr. Ozzy Jones is the director for Don't Sing No Blues For Me, 10 times Barry Moore winning director. Wow. And, uh, we are proud to have him uh, directing this piece, uh, which will be premiering here in Philadelphia. Uh, congratulations. Thank oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And we Everything wish you is all everything. well. And you guys have a blessed one. You as well. Too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you and Thank good night. We
Cause my rhymes is heavy like the mother's sister Betty L Boogie Sparks with stars and constellations Then came down for a little conversation Adjacent to the king, fear no human being Roll with cherubims to Nassau Coliseum Now hear this mixture where hip-hop meets scripture Develop a negative into a positive Everything is everything. 